Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of June 2012. And as always, I start off by advising listeners and new listeners to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find a whole bunch of sites listed there. Uh, they all carry audios of lots of talks, over a thousand talks I've given in the past for free download. Uh, they carry transcripts in English for prints up of a lot of the talks I've given. And if you go into Alan Watt Sentient, Sentinel.eu, you'll find transcripts in other languages for print up as well. And I always tell you, the people too that I don't bring on guests who are advertisers to scare you to death and then sell their, their, the savior uh, products that they have. I just depend on the public who get an awful lot out of the long talks over the many, many years I've given uh, to support me and uh, to bring them into a reality. Really, that's what I try to do, a true reality, not the indoctrinated one you've had from school and by the media and entertainment as well, to break their conditioning so they can think independently maybe for the first time in their lives. And it's working with a lot of people. And so I give them shortcuts to the understanding by going through the history of the system. And it's a complete system you're born into and, and you're raised with. Uh, you're trained very, very well, and you don't even know it. So you think you're doing your own thing, even when you're taught to rebel at university, and you don't realize that, no, that's all part of it too. That's designed by those who already rule the planet. So help yourself to the audios, understand what's happening, and go to the books I refer to as well by players who help design the system. And the big organizations, the foundations, and say, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, guys who spent their whole life working for these foundations that literally are a parallel government, as have been called many times, even by Margaret Thatcher, who joined them, who rule the world. And they plan every change, and they make us go like a big herd right through the plan changes. Remember, too, you can buy the books and discs that I have at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can buy, you can actually use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office. You can send cash, and you can also use PayPal. Across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome. Because as I say, I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't have any shares or companies that sell products. And... Um, and I just try to stick to the basic happenings of the world and explain why they're happening and to show you the farce of it all because it's a big stage play we're living through of constant crisis and crisis creation. And, of course, the whole point of the crisis, which is generally fake, is to get you to accept further slavery, more uh, uniformity across the whole planet so that we're better managed by those who think they're supposed to manage us because they're... They've got better genes than we have. They're all up there in the big, big families that lend to nations, international money lenders. They lend to nations, to the governments. There's not many of them. And all the massive think tanks underneath them that work for them on every aspect of society that has been, exists today, and is to come. Uh, every facet in every culture is catered to, believe you me, 
There's nothing comes from the grassroots because they don't allow that to happen. And they don't have to. They start at the top. It doesn't matter what it is. It sounds radical, but that's how it's pushed from the top down. Every single thing of political correctness, often under the guise of fairness and various other things, which is hard to argue against. But it's to destroy society until you're dysfunctional. The same tactic is being used across the Middle East, even to do with Syria, because the U.S. have had uh, big players in that area over to Washington, along with Israel. And the, and the plan is to completely disrupt Syria uh, until it's, it's a whole bunch of factions fighting forever, ever. Then they're dysfunctional. They have no problem at all. Same as Iraq. Iraq is out of the picture. I will never recover. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about how the system that works on people in your own country to fragment society by division, that's man, woman, child, parents, uh, different factions of society, that gender differences, all these things which are hyped up, fit right into the, the system of what they call governance today. When everyone's dysfunctional, you have so many different groups fighting each other for the piece of the pie, is generally the cash thereafter, and superior recognition over all the rest. Uh, the same technique, of course, is used across in warfare too in the Middle East, where Kissinger said a while back, uh, and Brzezinski too, that the long-term plans should be uh, to disrupt it so much, destroy its whole infrastructure, and then get all the different factions of Sunnis, etc., fighting each other, and then they're dysfunctional for the rest of time. The same thing has to be done in in uh, Syria, of course. I've had meetings in Washington about it. Israel has to play a hand along with Washington in creating that scenario. And once they're divided into three or four factions, they're then out of the picture too forevermore. So the same technique that works in a country uh, abroad for warfare works on you internally as well. And, of course, the Club of Rome said that many years ago that democracy would never work. This is the big club that works for the United Nations, which is, an, is a front relief for the Royal Institute of International Affairs, who designed this whole global system of free trade and the money boys at the top. So they, they, they use all the same tactics, which work very well, as I say, either internally in your country or externally abroad to take down societies and make them dysfunctional. They said there were too many competing factions, even in democracy, uh, for it ever to work. And, of course, they made sure of that because they funded them through the United Nations. They created all these different factions and gave them special high-sounding names to sound official, and then they institutionalized the names by repetition into the vocabulary through media, uh, movies, and everything else. That's how it's done, so simply, so simply. Even the term global warming was to be institutionalized. If you go into the United Nations website, uh, they said they'd have to institutionalize it until everybody parroted it just by hearing it through repetition. And then sustainability, sustainability. It's just like weapons of mass destruction. You keep remembering, too, for those who have studied, that uh, the word Lenin, who said that we shall win by the use of slogans. And that's all you hear today is, is buzz terms and slogans about things. It works awfully well with the general population. It's by osmosis. It sinks into them without much thought whatsoever. Now, back to the pantomime in in Latin America right now, because 
it's all staged. As I say, the G20 is a group that was formed by themselves, supposedly, and, and really it was formed by, again by the CFR, uh, Royal Institute of International Affairs, same bunch, uh, to, to do with this very old, old plan, a hundred year old plan to do with free trade. Uh, but it's not just free trade, it's to do with uh, a unification of the world through fiscal policies, which then determine all your, your internal policies. And those who will not join free trade are simply off limits. They don't get any trade at all. So it's a kind of blackmail technique. Very old uh, um, plan, actually. John Dee talked about it in Queen Elizabeth I Court. And they did create that empire of Britain, which was really the, 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 the model all of this is based upon. And then the U.S. was to take it over and fund it as well, which it has done. But we go through the farce by the mainstream again, because they're all members of the Council on Foreign Relations. They must put out the same spiel, you see. And it's like looking at a script from a play. It says, world leaders meeting at the G20 summit in Mexico have urged Europe to take all necessary measures to overcome the Eurozone debt crisis. Now, you never go to politicians to get answers to fix things. You, that's never, that's all done by experts, guys in the fields of their particular expertise. And these leaders of countries don't have any expertise. They're just lawyers. They voiced uneasy over what one top official described as the single biggest risk for the world economy. Well, that's government, you see. But European Commission President Jose Manuel Barroso, a guy who's a Maoist communist, even as a student, I've got links up there where you actually hear him prattling on about the, the great uh, uh, little red book and all the rest of, it of communist China. He said the challenges are not only European, they're global. See, the, the whole idea is it's, it's like a rehearsed play. And I'm sure it is, actually. They're given their little lines to say to each other, and the media reports them, and we think it's all for real. Because after all, you see, who voted this G20? Where did this come from? Where is it in anybody's constitution that, that your leaders can go off and form their own private club? A global club. I thought they were supposed to be taking care of you and answerable to you. You see? Nobody questions these things when they, oh, it's a G8, oh, it's a G20, it's etc., etc. But that was all part of the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs agenda, was to create these, these, these groups of so-and-sos, so many numbers, and gradually bring in the world government through it, you see. Sign treaties, and then they would supersede all previous existing Bill of Rights charters and all the rest of it that countries would have. But then it says, um, Sunday's victory of a pro-bailout party in the Greek election didn't have uh, or give the stock market's expected boost. That's nonsense anyway. And it says um, that, uh, frankly, we're not coming here to receive lessons in terms of democracy. And uh, uh, that was the end quote of Jose Manuel Barroso, European Commission president. Well, you see, the, the European Commission doesn't have a democracy, so he's telling the truth for once. It wasn't designed to be democratic. The Club of Rome is a big think tank, the ones that said democracy wouldn't work, and they said that they'd bring an authoritarian society. Well, the G20 is part of this authoritarian society that doesn't ask the people what they want, you see. So I'll put this up anyway, and you'll see how they go through this. Like a play, you know, uh, but Chairman Chance, German Chancellor Angela Merkel appeared to dismiss the idea and then she says so-and-so, and so-and-so, and then it's answered by so-and-so who says this. One-liners, it's just like a stage play. And that's all it is, because they go there for the big, big... Understand that these meetings are planned years in advance, all of them. And um, 
the Sherpas, they call them Sherpas, high-level bureaucrats go across to these countries and they go between all countries and they draft up all the different ideas that the big think tanks, the private think tanks that work for the international bankers have come up with. And uh, the Sherpas draft up the legislation and these guys go there just for the show for the, for the world, thinking they're doing it. They're not doing it, they're there to sign it and have a big slap-up meal and go out with prostitutes and things. That's what it's about, folks. It's, it's time to snap out the nonsense of this media that these guys are in charge of something. It really truly is. They've even had documentaries on the Sherpas, by the Sherpas, how they worked for years, going from country to country through all the bureaucratic departments and getting these treaties all, all designed and so on, and pre-signed, in fact. And it's just, this is just the announcement to the world of uh, the stage play itself so that we think it's all real. So you'll vote for these prunes again. That's what it's for. And also, too, is uh, from the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, free trade and regulation, making both better, it says here. I'll put this link up tonight as well. And you can see the agenda, because the Council on Foreign Relations will always give you the politically correct agenda on any topic. And they tell you how it's going to be. Because, you see... Every member of, of every newspaper who is a registered journalist is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. If they're not, they're, they're, they're left to the local, local events and fairs and charities and things. The real ones all have to be members of the CFR on board with the whole agenda. So when the CFR writes, whatever they write in their own uh, websites and, and articles, uh, then everyone else must copy it. That is the agenda. So I'll put that up. Also tonight, soon putting up Junk Science Week, Money Corrupts the Peer Review Process, to do with uh, uh, the panel on climate change, the IPCC, run by Petura, you know, the ex-railway engineer that's now in charge of the planet's atmosphere, and um, who's, who's been killing off all of this stuff because he's got shares in lots of companies in India where they can burn coal and that, you know, and they've got all this money th- from the West thrown at them because, you see, we're redistributing our, the wealth so that India can come up. And guys like Petura can probably buy lots of railway lines across the whole planet. But it says, anyway, it says that uh, they refer, the IPCC referred to, to their work as the gold standard based on its off-made claim that it only surveys work published in peer-reviewed professional research papers. Then they go into the history of peer research review papers and so on. And what's supposed to do is that people in the field, scientists, all have to have their say before it goes to being a good theory, you see. They all agree, well, this is going to be a good theory, we're on board with it. Or if they can criticize it or they can't uh, find the same evidence for the results, the empirical evidence, then they, they deny it and say it's no use. So they go through the IPCC's uh, claims that they only use the gold standard of peer-reviewed professional research papers, and it shows you they're using students and uh, interested parties who are all political parties to do with greening, etc., etc. So they're a bunch of liars. Let's say what it is, eh? They're a bunch of They've been caught lying so many times, it's just astonishing. But that's the agenda, folks, to bring in austerity and control over the, you know, the masses. That's what it's for. It's all for that. So I'll put that one up as well. An earthquake hits uh, Victoria in Australia. It says 5.3 magnitude tremor rocks Australia. And uh, it's, uh, there's a bit of quake damage and so on. Most of it were just uh, thrown from their chairs and things like that. But 
Who knows if it's signs of things to come? I think really that big deity up there is angry with Gillard, you know, or Gillard, because she's really going full blast in the Fabian style. And she's, she's nagging, I actually said in the paper, she's nagging all the, the leaders at the, at the, the G20 summit, uh, down in Latin America. And, um, she's caused quite a stink to get attention to herself. A real fanatic though, because she'll get rewarded awfully well if she manages to push anything through in her lifetime. They always want to get schools and that named after them, you know what I'm saying? And, and a whole bunch of, you know, impoverished children in austerity. And she said, yep, I did that. And they're really proud of themselves. And as we go into this, the system too, as I say, of dysfunction, because you see, you must destroy things that work in a society, all culture, to bring in the new. That's why we're seeing all the bizarre stuff coming on. We'll talk about Sweden and how guys can't, they can't pee standing up anymore. <gasps> Back after these messages. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the divisions in society which are necessary to conquer peoples across the world until they're dysfunctional. And once you're dysfunctional, you've got all these government agencies stepping in to, to get order, you see, order out of chaos. That's how you rule over peoples. And they decided a long time ago at the Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, and they brought another, other big groups to and from Europe to destroy the old culture completely, I mean utterly. Into the ground, stomp it into the ground. That was marriage, everything. And then actually they wanted the state to bring up children. They're doing a good job with, you know, basically stealing children from parents all over the world now. Big, big business from United Nations. But they believe that parents are all crazy, you see, and mad. And they're taught that. And uh, I could go on about it in some detail, but I won't. Anyway. It uh, says here uh, that uh, he's an example how how he, he, goes, he goes mad, you see, mad, uh, when they feminists against the guys and all the rest of it. It says, so take a stand and, and sit down for what you believe in. Male representatives in the Stormland, it says Stormland, come to council in Sweden, should sit rather than stand while urinating in office restrooms, according to a motion, I like that word, motion, advanced by the local left party. I've seen similar stuff in uh, in Canadian Union uh, magazines that come out too from from different organisations. It's, it's amazing the laughs you get. Known as a socialist and feminist organisation, the party claims that the seated urination is more hygienic for men. The practice decreases the likelihood of puddles and otherwise unwanted residue forming in the stall, and adding in addition to being better for a man's health by more effectively emptying one's bladder. The local reported. But not everyone agrees. It says men scatter urine not so much during the actual urination as during the shaking off that follows, says John Gamel, a professor at the University of Louisville. Well, how would he know what other guys do? A2 Brutus? Is he watching or something? It says wrote while addressing the issue in 2009. As a result, forcing men to sit while emptying their bladders will serve little purpose since no man wants to shake himself off while remaining seated on the toilet because it'd get kind of bruised, you know. And it says, um, it says that, uh, uh, a representative from the party says he hopes to move towards sitting only bathrooms. I mean, you understand, the, the emasculation of the male is, is just incessant with the, the particular types they put at the top of the feminist movement who have no sympathy in anything whatsoever, uh, unless it's the same as themselves. 
And that's what liberals mean by that. So, you know, you can have any point of view as long as it's ours. That's truly liberalism. If you have any other point of view outside theirs, it's illegal. And they end up in prison for it. And this article, too, is interesting because it's from the BBC and it says viewpoint. But they get everybody ready for austerity from all trilateralist and council foreign relations members. And this guy, obviously, is one since Neil Ferguson uh, wrote the, the authorized books for uh, the Rothschild family. He also is writing a biography for Kissinger right now, so he's up there with all the big boys, you see. And it says, government should be more honest about the size of their debts, and young voters would be wise to get politicians to pay them off as soon as possible, says economic historian Neil Ferguson in the first of his BBC Wreath Lectures. Now he himself, getting up booted up there uh, in his particular line, by writing sort of almost uh, fictional histories. This is the guy who writes fictional histories. If things had turned out that way in World War I, uh, it'd be a different world, and he goes into the kind of world that would have been. So he's a guy who lives in fantasy, telling us all he lived. But he wants the young to pay off debts, you see, get into austerity. It says the critics of Western democracy are right to discern that something is amiss with their political institutions. Uh, the most obvious symptoms Malay is, of the Malay is the huge debts we've managed to accumulate in recent decades. Well, who's managed to accumulate them? It's, it's these governments of the G20 and so on. It's got nothing to do with that. It says, which, unlike the past, cannot largely be blamed on wars. What, what can't it? They just finished paying off World War I in the 1990s in Britain. They're still paying off World War II and the Korean and, of course, Gulf War One, and all the ops we've had since. According to the International Monetary Fund, the guy that's awfully parallel with, you know, the International Monetary Fund, it says the gross government debt of Greece this year will reach 153% of GDP. For Italy, the figure is 123%. For Ireland, 113%. For Portugal, 112%. And for the United States, it's a 107%. Britain's debt is approaching 88%. Japan is the world leader, with a mountain of government debt approaching 236% of GDP. That's because we're going through, of course, um, the, the meltdowns and so on. And it threw all their economy off. So it says it's more than triple than what it was 20 years ago. Then it, then it, it quotes a quote from Edmund Burke. It says, society is indeed a contract. You must remember this. It's awfully important. The state is a partnership not only between those who are living, but between those who are living, those who are dead, and those who are to be born. Now, you can agree with that or not. Because if you're not asked to be part of the contract, then you're under a form of slavery. Now, Jefferson said it too. He said, if you're born into a generation that has to pay off a previous generation's debt, then you are a de facto slave. And that should be scrubbed at the end of each generation. If so many years, just scrub the whole lot. Because it's a con game anyway. Money is a con game with the guys at the top. So he says, uh, now often these debts get discussed as if they themselves are the problem, and the result is a rather sterile argument between proponents of austerity and stimulus. I want to suggest that they are a consequence of more profound malfunction. So he wants to train the youngsters to push, to pay off the debt of the government. Uh, let's be honest, how can you pay off the debt of a government when your government, through all of its free trade deals and all the rest of it, are throwing a good chunk of your tax money not towards your debt? They're borrowing money, put you on the tap to pay it off, and they're giving it out abroad to other big corporations in third world countries. You can't pay it off when they're doing that. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix and... I just can get back some sanity back into the rubbish we're given as news. And, of course, it's meant to bring out experts that con you into going along with agendas, on a mass scale, that is. And it's all rubbish. As I say, money is rubbish. It's a con game. The banks plunder us twice a century. And yet they're supposed to end up being given more more control to plunder us all the more. They work with your governments. They help put your prime ministers, presidents into, into power. And, uh, and they scam. Everything in the money system is a complete scam. It's a, it's a racket. They call it a racket. So anyway, getting on with the, the rest of the stories. I'll put them all up tonight, too, at cuttingthroughmedics.com. It's how people are treated, not only in their country as, as citizens, but also uh, the myth, again, to do with, with uh, vets in the U.S. The U.S. really is the only country who really goes on about vets of war. As, and it doesn't matter if the wars were right or not right or just or whatever. It doesn't matter. But they really play on it because they always want a fresh group to join every year and go off and fight wars, which they don't understand anymore. So they need to really push it up. But they really don't give a darn about the people once they're out of the military. Uh, and, uh, and that's been well documented, not just in movies, but in lots of documentaries and books and so on. But it says here, Warren C. Boddicker is an 89-year-old war, World War II Army airborne combat veteran and war hero living in Montana, who is being thrown off his land and thrown out of his house by Montana Federal Bankruptcy Trustee Christy Brandon. Uh, with the approval of the U.S. Bankruptcy Court in Montana. And to make matters worse, Warren's wife, Lorna, just died of cancer this past year and is buried right there in the land next to the house. That's the traditional way you do things. Warren had planned to live there till he died and then be buried right next to his wife. They own the property at, at 11 Freedom Lane in the town of Plains, Montana. But now, not only has he been forced off his land, but he's been forced to exhume his wife's body and take her with him. I mean... This is beyond callous and so on. It's, it's symptomatic of the bar stewards that control your countries. They're all the same. Until you throw them all off, you'll never have any kind of sanity or decent society or any kind of freedom. It says, this is the most disgusting, callous, brutal, and just treatment of a World War II veteran by the justice system we've ever heard of. He's a man who stepped up, went to war at the age of 19 to fight against the Japanese in the Pacific. He served in Company B, 511th Parachute Infantry Regiment, 11th Airborne Division, and he got two bronze stars and all that. They give him little bits of tin when you go off to fight for what you think is your country. Because it's never yours, it's long-term planning, and you have no idea what it's really all about or long-term goals. This is one of those combat jumps was the daring rescue of prisoners of war at the Los Banos internment camp on the island of Luzon. And it goes into that, how they, they jumped in there to rescue people, 2,000 prisoners of war, and so on. But anyway, he's getting booted out of his home. And it says... Uh, it says uh, it goes through his, his life history too. It's quite, quite a, a story here and all the rest of it. I'll put the whole thing up tonight. But that's what they're doing to the people. They pretend they really respect when they when they put on that uniform and go off to fight for these fat leeches that wear very expensive suits and travel across the planet 
at the G20s and goodness knows what else and, and the world meetings and all the rest of the stuff and with the 20 course lunches all paid by you because really you, you're nothing to them. Let's get it. Let's, let's be honest about this. If you're a soldier, you're nothing to these guys. You're just a mercenary. And you're only going because of propaganda. Massive propaganda. The Japanese wouldn't have gone to war in World War II, and this is well known by historians, if FDR and the boys and the guys before him hadn't been stopping all supplies getting into Japan. It's all perfectly well known. And FDR and Winston Churchill were colluding together in its ways to get them into the war. Because it was a war to change the world, remember. The Royal Institute of International Affairs said they needed wars, world wars, to bring people to their knees so they could say, we can't go on like this anymore, can we? Tut, tut, tut. Here's the solution. But this is how they really, really treat you. And in Britain, they didn't get pensions or anything for going off to war. They were just called up and away they went. And how they're treating them in Britain today? Well, it says... They've raised uh, suspicions in the army, which has just axed 3,000 personnel uh, and have targeted a number who are within touching distance of generous lifelong payouts, their pensions, right? So they ax them just days before they would have qualified to get the pensions. This is standard in Britain. Well, thank you very much. Here's the boot. That's how they do it. One 40-year-old sergeant serving the Royal Electrical and Mechanical Engineers was only three days away from serving 22 years and qualifying for an immediate pension pot worth £108,000. He will now have to wait until he's 65 to receive the pension, which, of course, at that time, with inflation, you'd probably buy a couple of cups of coffee with. It says parents of officers um, have also contacted the Daily Telegraph saying that their sons have been sacked just short or serving 16 years, at which point they would get an immediate immediate annual stipend of around £12,000. They too will have to wait until they're 65. Well, they're upping the, the wages they can retire. Anyway, now it'll be 67 or 69 by, by then. Dana and Barry Payne said their son Richard, a major, had been sacked just 86 days short of 16 years service, and that included life-threatening operational tours in Afghanistan, Iraq, Kosovo, and Northern Ireland. So that's how they really treat you folks. You're, you're, you're just a herd of cattle. What, what, what was it that Kissinger said? He said the soldier... It's just a dumb, brute beast, he says. He's talking about Americans, or all soldiers, but specifically Americans. He says, dumb, brute beasts who are used for foreign policy, which, of course, they don't understand. They think they do, because they're propaganda, but they don't understand the long-term geopolitical goals, you see. Dumb, stupid animals. Yep, that's what they think of you. And they keep showing you what they think of you. And people keep voting for people and governments and all the rest of it. It's just something else, eh? Just something else. Now, in Europe and, and Britain and elsewhere, it says millions will see their pensions slashed by up to 20% as the new economic union rules are set to send annuities plummeting. The OAP, old age pension with £100,000 pension pot, could see retirement income plunge by £1,167 per year. And of course, everything's going up with inflation, especially energy and all the rest of it. You got them dying in their homes now in the winter time because they can't afford the fuel. Because, you see, you know, a certain amount must perish to save the many. That's out the Talmud, in a sense. And that, that's what they use in governments today. It's, it's how many can we kill off and save the rest? Oh, we're going into austerity, you know, and we can't use all that fuel up to keep you alive. Now, look at the money they spend for themselves jetting across the world for all their world meetings, one after another. 
and the billions it cost to taxpayers just for security alone, never mind the slap-up meals and the prostitutes. Hmm? Let's be honest about the world. Let's stop being nicey-nicey. Let's see what it is. It's time we all said what it was. It really is time. Jesse Ventura said, Our military has turned into contract killers. And it says, um, He appeared on CNN's Piers Morgan to promote a new book on Saturday. And he was as outspoken as ever. He says, um, he was on about uh, the effects of paying private contractors in Iraq and Afghanistan more than their own soldiers. Leave our military in droves, he said, and go to Blackwater. And I think it's changed its name again. I don't know what they call themselves now. They change their names around and they go over there and they're nothing but cowboys. And that's true when you see documentaries on the cowboy uh, troopers, basically, that are simply for hire. Says they don't follow any of the rules of war. They're mercenaries, and that's what we're turning in today. Our military has turned into contract killers now, contract for hire. That was discussed years ago at the Council on Foreign Relations, who had to work, one of their think tanks had to work on finding ways to ensure in a world government society, where you've done away with nations, how could you get the people, young guys, to still go into the military? Because it's kind of hard to give allegiance to this vague, amorphous entity they call just the world. You can't relate to it like a nation or a tribe. It's all based on tribalism anyway, so... They thought they'd eventually go into public-private and, and, and start uh, creating lots of specialist uh, special forces and then train them in such a way that they would willingly go to be mercenaries afterwards. Well, that was decided years ago. So that's why it's happening, Jesse, if you didn't know that. This really is disgusting here, how they treat Canadians, the, the Native Indian people. And it says, HIV scare at First Nations school after botched diabetes tests. Now, this is... I can't believe it. It's real, but it's hard to believe this in this day and age. Dozens of students and staff at the First Nations High School are being tested for HIV and hepatitis after undergoing a faulty diabetes screening, it says here. A University of Manitoba professor talked to students at Southeast Collegiate on May the 4th about diabetes, and he used a pen-like device called a glucometer to test blood sugar levels on about 80 people. A university spokesman said the professor changed the device's needle for each person, but failed to realize that the device itself is not supposed to be used on more than one person. When you inject, even though you don't see it, it's a fine mist spray comes out, actually, a fine, fine mist, and it'll go on the bottom of the, of the actual instrument itself. But, I mean, who, who trained this idiot? Who trained this idiot? Who gave him authority to go and do this? It's an invasive thing. A professor who? For what? The Lancet, the needle-like poker which punctures the skin, was in fact changed after reuse, and the skin was cleaned with alcohol. We didn't change, he didn't clean the device, you see. John Danakis said Thursday, it's a device which holds a Lancet that was reused, and you're not supposed to reuse that. Although the device never comes into contact with the person's skin, they're still a very, very small, I think it's one in several million. Do you think, is that good enough for that? I don't think so. Possibility that there could be an infection. As I say, when you lance anything, as a fine mist comes out, you'll see it under even microscopic photography, and it's, it's composed really of, of uh, fluid and blood, and it's a very, very fine spray. And of course, in, in, along with it go infections. Dr. Danakis would not identify the professor, but said he was not authorized to perform the diabetes test 
and has been disciplined, meaning, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cover your ass for you and keep you out, your name out of the media. That's all it means. Staff and students are now undergoing tests to see if they have contracted HIV or hepatitis B or C and must undergo a second round of tests in six months. And by the way, if anyone have it, they'll say, uh, oh, well, that wasn't, that wasn't caused by this. It, they, that's how they have justice. That's how they have justice, isn't it? Oh, that wasn't, that's probably caused by something else I've been doing. So, the case has angered some Aboriginal leaders. It says, while the risk of a student contracting an infection is described by the University of Manitoba as exceptionally unlikely, the risk is not zero. Chief Michael Yellowback of the Manto Sipi Cree Nation said in a written statement, eight children from the reserve who attended the Winnipeg school were part of the diabetes tests. So, I don't know how this could ever have been authorized in the first place. And I guess you have to be a cook, as a professor at university, to even dream it up and be so dumb as to do what you did with, obviously, a very limited amount of knowledge on, on what the heck you're doing. This article is awfully important, too. I'll put it up tonight. And it's, it's simply a repeat study, which has been done before, uh, on humans before. This is animals this time, though. And it says that GM feed, GM modified feed, may harm the reproductive system of animals. And says Russian scientists have proven the existence of very serious health risks for animals given genetically modified feed. This statement was, was made recently during a press conference of the National Association for Genetic Security. According to the authors, a number of pathological changes were discovered in the experimental animals that consumed the GM feed. Now, they did the same thing a long time ago with soya and so on, that's GM and so on on animals too. A delay in the development and growth was detected, plus a distortion of the sex ratio in breeds with an increase in the proportion of females, reducing the number of pups per litter up to the complete lack in the second and third generation has been stated at the conference. That's where they found two previous ones on humans as well. It's the second and third generation you'll see the effects when they become sterile and start producing more females because of more estrogen and... Um, and you end up eventually eliminating males altogether. According to the president of NAGS, Alexander Baranov, the main negative impact of GM feed, which was discovered during the investigation, is a ban on reproduction, making it impossible to obtain third-generation animals. For those who wonder why they're all going sterile, this is another attack you've been under, another of the many attacks you've been under, because your big bosses, those who own you, you see, and pretend you've got a democracy, your bosses decided a long time ago and had world meetings about it of ways to bring down the population. And sterility, of course, is an obvious uh, way to go. But it's just you can't tell the cattle. That's the people. You can't tell the cattle that you're sterilizing them, obviously. This is real, folks. This doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by accident. They know exactly what they're doing at the top because it's agenda. Austerity. They've got the, you're hearing about some sustainability. And all the cries, oh, there's too many of you, too many of you. That's what they should be saying, you. <laughs> Those are the people. It's you they're talking about. It's not there are too many of you because we're all declining, by the way. And very few in the West are having children anymore. Especially the last generation, they don't want, want children at all. So they know it's going to plummet. They want it to plummet. But it's not plummeting fast enough. So anyway, 
It says here the results are to confirm the findings of the European scientists who pointed out the negative impacts on the health of animals from the GM ingredients in feed of animals. We use soybean meal, which is widely used in Russia for fattening livestock. Soy off the line 40-3-2 contained an extracted meal, which is allowed in Russia. It is also used in human food, he added. The statement by the NAG has refueled the hot disputes in Russian society on the use of genetically modified feed in livestock and if they should be allowed. Currently, the Russian parliament is considering the new law on veterinary and many expertise advise and in conclusion of a, uh, a total ban on the cultivation and use of GM feed in animal farming. So uh, it's already been done on the humans and, of course, is doing it in the, the rest of the food chain as well, which humans end up eating anyway. And I'll put up another link, a couple of links tonight to do on food safety sites that deal with food safety to show the conflicts of interest of the people who are on the panels of them and so on. And to get back to Julia Gillard, this Fabian socialist who is so proud of herself because she's brought on the carbon taxes and her country is now plummeting into austerity and poverty. So it says that the speech are during the world leaders to follow the Australian way. I mean, they're going kaput in Australia. In managing their struggling economics, put Prime Minister uh, Julie Gillard at the centre of a global diplomatic spat at the G20 summit in Mexico yesterday. But Ms. Gillard said she uh, was the intended subject of a retaliatory spray from European Commission President Jose Manuel Barroso. Again, another little drama for the public, eh? So, after a good talking to her, uh, and after she said, well, they could, the rest of the world could learn lessons from Australia. In other words, be a dictator, you see. It should just become dictatorial like her. Then, uh, then she made, she kissed and made up with the rest of them, of course, after a good meal, I'm sure, and a bit wee bit of brandy. <laughs> so it's, it's all pantomime, isn't it? Now for the U.S., wondering about free trade zones within the U.S. I've mentioned before. I'm putting up a link tonight to the U.S. governments with all the free trade zones within the United States listed, and you'll probably see if you're part of it too. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to the callers. There's Carlton from New York on the phones. Are you there, Carlton? How you doing, Mr. White? How you doing? I'm doing not bad. Yeah. All right. Um, it's funny, I just read that same article you was talking about, um, men having to sit down to pee. <laughs> it was funny. Did yep. you say that it was a woman, a woman's like, group that was pushing that? Yeah, a feminist group and unauthorized, one of the top ones. Yeah. Right. Well, I bet these women at my job probably love that because they they've been yelling about that for <laughs> forever right now. But honestly, it's funny because I, I actually just thought, I'm pretty sure you heard about the Avengers, the old movie thing that came yeah. up. But you probably heard about the Avengers before. I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and you know about how Thor and Odin and... The uh, Super Serum Project with Captain America, all that stuff was pretty much, you were documented in military history or is, you know what I'm saying, was at least somewhat um, a religion, like Odin, Odinism and all that good stuff. Yeah. But it was funny in the movie, um, Thor's brother Loki is a part where he makes everybody bow down to him, right? That's right. 
and then he's just basically going talking about how you people are peons. You need to be ruled. You're so stupid. You're so stupid. You need to be ruled. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how you always say that. Of course, they don't want old people going around. I mean, being around too much more in this new new agenda. But mm-hmm. an old man stands up out of the out of the crowd and goes, "No, we we're gonna fight back at you." And he gets ready to try to kill him. And then, you know, but it was funny how they kind of yeah. sort of did that. But if people would just use common sense, man, mm-hmm. half this mess couldn't go down. If <laughs> each person. What the trouble, the trouble with everybody, they've all been segregated into groups until they wait for someone in the group to lead them and say something rather than stand up individually when it's your turn and say, no, I'm not going along with this. You know, forget that. And, and that's what people have to reclaim is their individual right to say, no, this is ludicrous and I won't go along with it. Yeah. Right. That's what we should do. Exactly. And going back to like I was talking about the Avengers, the whole superhero thing. I'm glad you said what you said in the beginning of that show on last Monday, talking about the whole Ron Paul situation, because people need to stop worshipping these superheroes, basically. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> that, they do. That's, that's all I got to say, Mr. Watt, but yeah. take it easy. Let me give somebody else a chance to, um, to get a call over. Yeah, but thanks for calling. But that's a good point, too. I mean, uh, people have got to stand up for themselves individually. You know, when, when a government demands by law, with again its usual punishments for, for, for failing to go along with his so-called, what I like to call the liberal agenda, which is really a form of brainwashing and turning you into psychotic, because if you have to see some guy with a beard dressed up as a woman, and, and be, uh, pretend that, you, that there's nothing abnormal about that, then they're, they're demanding that you deny your own sensibilities. And not just humor the person, but treat them as though they're a natural, per- some kind of natural person. And so they're demand, it's like someone, a, a lunatic, it's a lunatic saying, I am Napoleon, call me Napoleon. And bow down to me. They're demanding you go along with someone else's problem. It's not your problem. You understand what I'm saying? And people have to stand up and say, this is utterly ludicrous. And for your own sanity's sake and for the right to hold on to your sanity, I will not comply with this nonsense. Simple as that. But, oh, they might come back and, and threaten you. Well, that's, that's what freedom takes a chance, you know, all the time. Freedom is a chance. That's all you have. You either take it or bow down. From Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.